This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as London Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26th, 2022. It's from the track Real-Time Payments, How Fintech is Not Waiting for the Fed, sponsored by Visa and is titled Real-Time Payments and Cryptocurrency. Speaking on this session is Christopher Smalley from Customers Bank with moderator Daniel Weber from FXC Intelligence. Thank you, everyone, for, um, for, for being here. Sometimes crypto fills the whole room out. I think we're not doing too, too bad today here. Um, I'm Daniel Weber, founder of FXC Intelligence. We're a data company that tracks the cross-border payment space, the crypto space, and the card space. Chris? Hi, all. Chris Smalley. Um, I am the head of the digital bank at Customers Bank. Uh, we're a you know twenty billion dollar asset bank that has recently uh, migrated into both cryptocurrency and real time payments, uh, which you know have a great deal of synergies between the two of them. And that ends the pitch. Um, let's get straight into it, Chris. Why are we here? What what's the importance of real time payments, and what are some of the problems that we're trying to solve? Which is why we're going to talk about crypto. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the crypto ecosystem isn't what it was 10 years ago, right? The, you know, the frat boys who are funding their gambling account or something using Bitcoin, right? Now it is truly institutional. The, the overwhelming amount of crypto that's being held uh, across all assets uh, is done so by large institutions. Their uh, traditional hedge funds and their OTC desks and, uh, you know, a variety of other fairly sophisticated investors who are more or less trading it the same way that we've traded other traditional uh, products over the last, whatever, 50 years or something. Uh, and, and what those people are looking for is capital efficiency and clearing uh, fiat payments in uh, ACH and wire is wildly inefficient, uh, so inefficient as to, to render it more or less useless to them. Uh, so, you know, Customers Bank was eager to start banking that ecosystem, but to do so, uh, it was really important that we figure out a, a way for them to clear those funds fast. So uh, we partnered with Tacit Pay, which is a blockchain-based uh, payments transfer uh, company that has assisted us with uh, essentially tokenizing the U.S. dollar uh, and helping customers to transact uh, on the blockchain from, from one to the next in real time, instantly uh, transactions, whether it's creating a token, burning a token, exchanging a token for cash, sending a token, all of those transactions can happen instantly, right? You could have literally done each of those transactions in the time that it took me to, to, to say the sentence. Um, so, so that's kind of the pitch for, for us on real-time payments uh, out of the gate. But it's become really clear to us there's a lot of other businesses that are looking for capital efficiency beyond just cryptocurrencies, right? Uh, think about a, a utility payment that uh, a real estate company is making, right? They want to make that on the last possible the last possible day, but the utility company wants the, the payment as fast as possible. And we can solve for both sides of that equation uh, by, uh, by, by initiating these kind of blockchain payments that remain, uh, remain fiat, uh, but at the same time, um, you know, are, are as fast as blockchain. And if we just over, overlay on top of that, that's a, that's a domestic use, use case. And I think domestic payments in the U.S. has its own form of 
issue, so to speak, like if you look at many other countries around the world, domestic payments is fast and it's been relatively sold. I think in the US it, it, it's quite unique um, that there's still a lot to be sold. But if we overlay cross-border on it too, um, then it gets really difficult. So may, maybe add a little color on the cross-border side and, and then we can start thinking about where where some of them. When we say crypto, we're using the phrase loosely because it can be crypto, it can be block, blockchain, um, stable coins, where, where it comes into it. But, but let's, let's add the cross-border color too. Um, and, th and then let's start talking through how um, the, the digital currency world is having an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, so look, the digital asset ecosystem is inherently global. Uh, it is not a U.S.-based or, or necessarily even primarily U.S. Uh, set of organizations. And the ability to transact in fiat currencies across borders is critical to making that work. Uh, so, so I, I would say from from our bank's perspective, uh, having rails that that are multi-currency uh, but remain instant, remain secure on the blockchain uh, are, are fairly critical to serving the entire crypto ecosystem. Fine. And then, I mean, to, to add further complexity, particularly on the cross-border space, but, the, but it holds true for the for domestic as well. A lot of people just think it's bank-to-bank -bank payments. Um, and I know there's, there's plenty of people in this room that there's some people in this room from the remittance sector and actually look at the remittance sector, um, they, they can wave at the back. There's... Um, Cash is an, imp is, is an important part, paying in and out of a debit card, um, credit cards, mobile wallets. So all of these, these, these don't even fit necessarily into the traditional banking system. Um, so once you overlay that, um, it becomes increasingly, it's increasingly hard cross, cross border. And we're seeing more of it dom domestically too, high, high demand. I think probably paying into mobile wallets is probably the, the biggest growth area at the, at the moment. Now, there's no reason why the digital asset world can't play into that. The traditional banking world really struggles to actually pay into something like a mobile wallet. Um, and then I think the, the further bit is then you start saying, well, maybe there's some other services that I can lay in. So you have things like smart contracts, for example. So like, Chris, where, where, where might a smart con contract combine with a payment to, to do something that is even um, more value add than just saying I've moved my payments around. Right. So, so let's think about what a what the blockchain actually is. Right. It's it's an immutable ledger, uh, and and I'd say just you explain can, a immutable ledger to not everyone knows immutable ledger. Sure. It's it, it's a a record that is unchangeable. Uh, that uh, no matter no matter what you do, based on I don't, I don't know how to explain this well without being really nerdy. Um, it, it's it's a it's a record that uh, can basically um, you know show ownership over an asset, it can record a transaction, uh, and, and those two things are kind of married. That's, that's what a cryptocurrency is effectively, right? Um, but the ability, never mind crypto, for uh, a transfer of ownership and a flow of funds to happen simultaneously is really, really interesting, right? So let's say uh, you are a... Um, uh, you're a a widget maker and you want to book uh, a, a shipping container with your uh, primary, um, you know, your, your whatever, your shipping company. And you want to do that only when you know that that widget is actually going to have been made, right? You don't want to pay until you know that, that you're going to have a use case and a need. Uh, so making that payment and having that record on the blockchain, the, the, uh, the system of record for uh, your vendor sees that you've made the payment, sees that uh, you've recorded um, 
uh, your your ownership of that last spot on the container. Uh, both of those things can happen instantly. There's no calls. There's no emails. There's no logging into a UI, UX, and uh, inputting data. All of those things are pre-programmed. All of those things can happen instantly. And I guess what's interesting is that's hardly happening at the moment, right? So when, when we talk about like how early are we in the cycle of where digital assets can change payments, I would say we're probably extremely early because these types of use, use cases, I mean, how do people know anyone who's doing business in a smart contract combined with payment way in a mainstream business? It must be tiny. So I, th- I, I, th- I think... Putting some there's of the, no one who there's no one who there's doing no one doing it, right? so so you know putting aside some of the recent noise with the stable coins that have happened in in recent weeks and I think that noise is going to be hard um, because that's going to probably put some 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 people off. It shows how how early we are, and then I think the other piece that goes with it that goes with with payments that is not often easy to tie to payments is the credit and the lending side. So maybe you can add a, a bit of color of where also lending and credit and as a bank that should be interesting to you but where lending and, and, and credit can, can tie into a payment from a digital asset perspective different from the traditional fiat world yeah absolutely so I, I think there's kind of two ways one that a bank can can be involved and and we are getting involved in that and and another that um, is probably more interesting from a securities perspective but uh, look the blockchain can give a a record of ownership and why not tie that record of ownership to a cash flow generating asset right uh, all of the the securities that we trade today that have underlying cash flows associated with them can easily be put on the blockchain uh, now regulators are going to have to figure out how this looks and and what the the oversight authority is uh, but there's no reason that you could not for example uh, create a, a digital token that recorded some percentage ownership, uh, some fractional ownership in a uh, a CMBS package or uh, another uh, you know set of loans, consumer loans, whatever it might be, that entitles you to some percentage of the total cash flow being shed by by that loan package. Uh, and then once that happens, you can you can put the token on the blockchain, trade it on Coinbase and FTX and wherever else you are selling your your digital assets. Uh, it, it it firstly democratizes finance in a way that allows access for people who would never otherwise be able to, uh, you know, enter traditional markets or, or, or would have to spend an enormous amount of money in fees and things like this to get these fairly sophisticated products. Uh, and, and frankly, it adds liquidity to, uh, to all of the, the different asset classes that could potentially be put on the chain. Uh, so, so I think that's, that's kind of like the most interesting use case uh, for a commercial bank like us that's probably not something that will be a first mover. Uh, but, you know, crypto companies, I said, are kind of getting more institutional. I don't think that's a secret to anyone. Uh, and as they look for capital efficiency, one of the things they're obviously trying to do is is borrow. And, and banks have been, um, you know, kind of to, to my mind, unacceptably slow to start lending to this asset class who's needing to go to secondary sources of liquidity to finance their operations, to uh, offer margin to individuals and traders on their platform. Uh, and, and the the terms that that they're they're being forced to borrow at are, are kind of astronomical. And for banks that have strong, uh, you know, kind of credit led underwriting processes, there are ways that we can participate in this market far more efficiently than the current sources of capital that these companies are relying on. 
So for some of these different use cases, which may just be payments, it may be with a smart contract, it, it, may, it may be lending. What are the types of digital assets that make the most sense? There's there's a lot. There's the, there's the most well known. There's Bitcoin, which everybody knows. That's highly volatile. You have different types of stable coins. Some are backed by fiat. Some might be backed by fiat, and some definitely weren't backed by fiat. What's the what's the, what, what are the what, what are the what are the types of digital assets that best align to some of these use cases, and and why? Yeah, interesting. So, you know, from the purpose, from the standpoint of lending, um, obviously, the more stable the digital asset, the more comfortable a bank is going to feel uh, advancing uh, cash on on that collateral. Uh, and and you know, you kind of mentioned mentioned Bitcoin as volatile. Um, you know, what makes it a good collateral item? I think is is threefold. One, relative to some other cryptocurrencies, it's really not that volatile. Uh, secondly, and, and perhaps most importantly, it is highly liquid, right? So what you don't want, obviously, is a situation where you've got collateral in some token that there isn't a large enough market for such that as the capital calls start getting missed and you need to start liquidating it, that you're unable to do so, right? That's kind of the nightmare scenario. Uh, and, and then, you know, I think the, the last portion uh, of it is just it's well known enough that our regulators are going to be far more comfortable with it uh, than if we're, you know, kind of talking about whatever flavor of the week is the next the next crypto um, uh, asset. But you know, to my mind, the most exciting digital assets are not cryptocurrencies. Uh, I, I think it is far more exciting to see how how tokenization and uh, you know putting very traditional assets on chain can revolutionize the way we think about ownership and titles, right? Um, you know, I'll, I'll give the example of selling a house. Has anyone ever sold a house and gone through the misery of title insurance and, uh, and, um, closing process? There's no reason the blockchain should not put, I'm sorry if anyone works in title industry, but there's no reason that blockchain shouldn't put title companies or title insurers out of business altogether. Uh, it, it, there is, you know, a technology that allows us to have absolute understanding of who owns one, what asset, right? Once the first time that goes on chain, uh, there should never be a need for someone to see a physical record of that title or go to uh, a city hall to verify it ever again. And, and that's just one use case, right? But to my mind, it, it, it's far more exciting to see how uh, blockchain and digital assets can create an ownership record of things that we use and need every day, uh, whereas you could make some arguments as to the the need of of cryptocurrencies right thank you um i think we only have about five minutes left if anyone has any questions i think there's a roving mic somewhere um does anybody have any questions they would like to ask so when you were talking I'm kind of loud <laughs> so when you were talking about real-time payments eventually that has to settle into the traditional banking uh, market. So how, how do you bridge that gap? Yeah, absolutely. So um, to, to kind of get granular on how our instant payments platform works, for what it's worth, I'll do the shameless plug here, Customers Bank Instant Token, or CBIT. Um, but a, a customer will, uh, you know, say take $100 and uh, exchange those $100 uh, on our online banking platform for 100 CBIT. Uh, that transaction happens instantly. And what happens is that the, the customer's DDA is debited that $100 and an omnibus account that is equal to the value of all CBIT 
credit in force is credited that $100, right? So it's just kind of an account-to-account -account transfer that happens behind the scenes. It doesn't really how long, matter how long it takes us to settle that transaction because we're happy to credit the customer in the event that they want to uh, sell their CBIT prior to that transaction settling internally because we know that we've got that record, it's on-chain, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, that customer can then transact using using that CBIT. Uh, and, and, you know, when when the, the receiver, their, their payee receives it, uh, they're able to, to burn that off the chain and receive cash uh, instantly as well. The only time it actually touches the the kind of traditional banking rails, uh, I'll call them legacy banking rails, is if someone wants to send it outside the bank altogether, right? But assuming that both customers are, uh, you know, part of the CBIT network, uh, and they're not trying to move it outside of the bank, then there's really, there's really no latency in the process. Yeah, and just to add to, add to that, to, to kind of broaden it out, because we actually track all what would be called the on-ramping, getting your fear onto some crypto or some blockchain, and then off-ramping, getting, getting it out. And so once you look at the full chain of getting it on, moving through some block blockchain, and then off-ramping, then to answer the question is, is our digital assets always cheaper, faster, better than the fiat world? The answer is only sometimes because it really does depend on like how are you moving the 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 money in. Maybe you're moving money in quickly. Maybe you'll move the money in 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 slow. It might be in a debit mechanism. It might be in a slow banking mechanism. So some of the biggest issue at the moment is actually trying to to get some of the on and off ramping faster. Once it's in a system or it's in Chris Chris's bank, it's pretty straightforward. But then when you want to get it out. That is not always the. Um, that's not so straightforward, and it's definitely it's definitely not always cheap, cheap, cheaper, faster, better. But there would be um, a view in the market at the moment that it is always cheaper, faster, better. I think you have to take out. It's a great question. You've got to look at the full on and off ramps. Um, maybe time for one more question. If there is one more question, I'm, I'm just wondering because with the instant pay payments, um, especially like within your network, but also outside, how do you calculate risk uh, for people? Um, moving money between themselves and like you instantly funding them, but the money hasn't quite like, you know, with, with the traditional rails, it's not moving as quickly. How do you calculate that risk? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and, and firstly, I'll start by saying there is some risk, right? So if someone wires into their DDA account $100 and then immediately um, exchanges that $100 for CBIT and sends that to another uh, participant in the ecosystem, and then a day later, the sending bank of that initial wire calls it back because it was fraud or something like that, our bank is liable for that, plain and simple, and there's absolutely no way around that. Other than the fact that to just get in a CBIT account, you need to get a DDA account, you need to expose yourself to KYC, AML, and, and kind of all of the traditional screenings that a bank would do to onboard a new customer. Uh, kind of on top of that, the overwhelming use cases for, for CBIT today are cryptocurrency on and off ramps. And we obviously expose those cryptocurrency uh, customers to an even greater level of onboarding scrutiny. Uh, so, so I guess there's no way to eliminate the risk altogether. Um, but I would say there's no greater risk than there would be in any other traditional rail, right? Because if you kind of rethink that initial example, someone could wire 
$100 into their account and then wire it out to another bank the next day and we still wouldn't be able to necessarily call it back. Like it would be a little easier potentially, but uh, you know, we would still have ourselves exposed to the same level uh, of fraud and 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 you know, we've got a team that monitors this, so I'm I'm fairly confident that uh, it's it's not more significant than traditional rails. Great. I th I think we could talk for more than twenty minutes. But we, we, we're going to have to stop. Um, Chris and I will be just out outside the the back there. If anyone has any follow up questions, um, Chris, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Nexus. Thank you.